0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have a special Mother's Day podcast episode, and just a, a fun time. Just want to thank all of our mothers um, out there, my mother, my wife, the, who's a mother to our children, and just a special time to honor mothers. And so I thought I would contact somebody that I uh, highly respect, and uh, Sasha Sands, author of One Plane Ticket from North. Normal, um, sits down with us today and just shares about some some life lessons learned um, living and serving overseas with uh, with her daughter, husband, and daughter and uh, we talk about yeah, just questions about Mother's Day and some funny Mother's Day experiences, how to maintain a sense of humor, um, living overseas and learning um, with the family and just learning to make, make those transitions together and make them in a positive way. And now she's transitioned. Her her daughters are now back in the United States. And we talk a little bit about that transition and uh, just a, a fun time to spend with her and uh, learn from her. And so we'll include her a link to her book um, in the podcast notes um, if you'd like to ask, access that do want to encourage you to continue sending your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where I sit down with Dick Foth and answer listeners' questions, and you can send those to the email that's found in the show notes. do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology. And sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wbderm.com. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with our friend, Pam. Pam, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Aaron. Glad to be here.
0: Pam, so excited to have you on this special Mother's Day episode. And I just wanted to see if you could just take a few minutes and just share a little bit about yourself before we jump into some of the questions.
1: Sure. Um, I am a mom of two uh, amazing daughters. They transitioned with my husband and I. when they were ages 14 and 16 to this life, mm-hmm. and so we had lived a very pretty predictable Midwestern life um, up until that point. And then we made this transition um, to the Middle East and, and East Africa, and when they were 14 and 16, and um, now they are 28 and 30, wow. and I am a grandmother. And so there has been a lot of life lived in between that first transition from the Midwest to life here and now um, then back to the U.S. again. Wow.
0: Exciting times. And uh, we're going to get into that the transition with teenage girls. I can't imagine, but um, you did it and survived it and uh, they're, they're helping you well today. So that's, that's good news. Before we jump into some questions around uh, Mother's Day and being a mother overseas, just wanted to see if you would just take a minute or two uh, or more than that, if you'd like to share just about your book, one plane ticket from normal. <laughs>
1: um, I, I, when we first transitioned this life, we were, my husband and I were 40 Hmm. and to make this transition at that point in our life, it was very deliberate. And we had taken steps prior to that to um, make this change of this kind of life. We were well-established business people. We were active in our church. Everything was going quite well. And then um, we had always sensed that the Lord would be leading us in this direction. And so when we made this transition to this Current life. Um, I was sitting there one day, and as I'm um, trying to figure out what have we done, we had just moved our family overseas. I, I it went. It was like from going from the Midwest to Mars. Everything was so completely different. Everything was alien, and I I I got to where I was looking at the cost of plane tickets every day, and my husband was like so concerned. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I said it's only $1,000 today. It's quite a bargain. And he's like, (laughs) you know, first he was like, why are you doing that? And I said, it was one plane ticket that brought me here. It's one plane ticket that would take me back to my normal life that I understood. And so it got to be kind of a joke through our adjustment period. He'd be like, Hey, are the rates up today or down today? And I'd be like, Oh, they're down today. And um, just had this joke about how one plane ticket got us into this. And one plane ticket would get us out of this. And it was, It was a lot of adjustment, a lot of prayer, a lot of um, being intentional about how to navigate this life. And so I decided um, from that first day that we landed, I kept a a digital journal where I wrote about our experiences. And I said, you know, it's more than making this one first step of obedience. It's daily steps of obedience. Everybody thinks it's one act, one giant um, yes to the Lord. We're actually... It's a thousand little yeses to the Lord every day. And so Hmm. I decided to write this book to illustrate all the wonderful people that we've met along the way. And I wanted that our journey is not just about us adjusting, but it's about the people we meet on this side that embrace us, that allow us into their lives. And I wanted um, people who read it to be introduced to these um, sweet souls that we have met along the way.
0: Amazing. And, um, I enjoyed it. And, uh, that's kind of leads me to your, your, the next question. You, you have such a a phenomenal sense of humor and, uh, how did you, how have you maintained that sense of humor through challenging times transitioning as a mother overseas as you just shared about, um, the Midwest understanding and then, but you've maintained that sense of humor and and it comes out just any, any thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, I was raised in a family that spoke fluent sarcasm. And so <laughs> that that was a language that I knew and understood well. And I married into a family that did not speak in that language. And so it was quite an adjustment um, that I didn't even realize I had lived in that spot for so long until I met people who were not in that same kind of language. And so um, John and I through the years have have even laughed about Um, how we communicate and the best ways to communicate and what that means. And so, you know, I just feel like we take life too seriously. Sometimes like we treat everything as a life or death situation and there are situations like that, but we make little things as like the most significant important. If I mess this up and I'm like, you know, we need to leave room for growing and for failing and for trying. And if we don't keep our sense of humor in it, then We hold ourselves to a standard that I don't feel is realistic. And so if you have the ability to say, man, I tried that and that didn't work and kind of laugh about it, especially in this life, I feel like it gives you permission to, to try things and to be okay with the idea. I may not get everything right because we won't. So to hold ourselves to a standard higher than, than that is um, unrealistic. And I feel like it's healthy to just be able to sometimes just say, well, I tried and laugh about it and move on.
0: Good word, in language learning. If nothing else can make you realize that, at least for me, perfection is not going to happen as learning language and being... I always say, you know, I heard a speaker one time say, you can choose to be humble or humiliated. And (laughs) I really felt like living life overseas... I'm both at the same time humble and humiliated.
1: <laughs> I don't get to choose because yeah, language, I don't think you get to choose.
0: Oh, and oh, language learning for one, I'm, I'm humbled and humiliated both both at the same time. So
1: well, I've asked numerous times in Arabic, "Where is the pigeon?" and instead of "Where is the bathroom?" because it's okay. just a yeah. little nuance on on um, accent, you know. Yeah. And um, I can't tell you how many times they'd be like, "What are you talking?" and it's just. It's humbling. It's humiliating, but you just have to laugh about it because we're we're in this for the long haul. So you got to treat it as if you know life is a learning experience.
0: For sure, for sure. Any any funny memories of celebrating Mother's Day Mother's Day overseas? <laughs>
1: um, yes, it's uh, we we have what we affectionately call mumpkin tours in our family and our team life. In that in Arabic, that sort of means like. Maybe, maybe you will, maybe you won't. So Mumpkin Tours, we just kind of affectionately named our outings Mumpkin Tours because we just never know if it's going to work or not. Maybe you'll have a good time. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll get there. Maybe you won't. And that comes from this Mother's Day event that we did where we were new to a city and we had heard about this paper district where they made these amazing um, homemade stationaries and all this. And, you know, we thought as a family, it'd be really fun to. Uh, map ourselves down to this district and to walk through all the stationary stores and to maybe buy some, write letters home. And it would be this beautiful mother's day event. And we got down there and we're walking around and we walked and we walked and we looked and we couldn't find anything. And we're talking, we're getting to a really busted part of town and it's starting to look a little sketch and we're getting a little scared. And finally we stop and ask somebody we're like, where's the stationary district? And they're like, you're in it. And we said, well, where's the stationary? And they're like, Oh, that was like a hundred years ago. <laughs> they said, we still call it the stationary district, but there's no stationary here. That was like a hundred years ago. And so we ended up finding this little busted cafe in the middle of this alley. And they had uh falafel and they had uh, pickled lemons and all this kind of stuff. And the guy just brought us this huge spread of stuff and when he said we were there for mother's day he made a big deal and he brought us a flower and this whole thing and it it just turned into this really funny sweet memory of us trying to be cultural and trying to get in the culture and you know it just didn't work out but it's still a very sweet memory wow
0: very very cool very very cool You shared um, earlier about moving overseas. Your daughters were 14 and 16. I think you shared. Um, Mm -hmm. What were some of your thoughts and emotions as you prepared to take that that journey overseas with your your teenage daughters?
1: We uh, had known from the beginning of our marriage that we would probably eventually live this life. Hmm. And we had been open and we had even applied before we had children and at the time our system didn't quite know where to put us they didn't john was ordained and they didn't have a slot for somebody who who would do two years as ordained they just it was it was that system where um they had they had a few places you could go but we just didn't really fit and so we took that as the lord's direction saying not now this is not the not the time so we we proceeded in with life and walking in obedience and we were very intentional with how we spent our time at church and exposing um, our daughters to other workers and that life and trying different foods and going to different cultures on purpose when we were in the U S and them understanding that we were, um, trying to, uh, move that direction and even our oldest daughter really asked us to call headquarters and see if she could get in the MK program and I said hmm. we're not M's like we we can't we can't send you and she's like well that's not my fault that you're not M's that's not my fault she was like can we pay them can they let us be you know so she was like all for it she was yeah. ready to go yeah. um so we got to the point where we had 5 obstacles or considerations that we needed to make within our businesses before we could transition to this life with hmm. um, clarity and and integrity. So hmm. we prayed about those five things and the Lord began slowly removing those obstacles, resolving them in ways where we said, okay, there's nothing left to inhibit our transition to this life. And so as we were preparing, now our girls are 13 and 15 um, when we first initially started discussing it. And, um, we sat down with them and we said, now, look, if we do this life, um, we will do this as a family. Mm -hmm. So we would like all of us to take two weeks to pray about it. And then we'll come back and see what the Lord has spoken to each of us. And if one of us does not agree, then we're going to wait because Mm -hmm. we've waited this long and we can wait if, um, you feel like this is not the time, this is not the place, and the Lord's not speaking to you about this. Then we'll wait because we we have waited this length of time. And if you need to go to college and then we go, then we'll do it. Yeah. But we want this to be an all-family event. So they took we took two weeks to pray, and we came back to the table and we said, "Is this country the place and is now is the time?" And each one of the them said, "Yes, hmm. um, now is the place, now is the time." And so it was a family agreement, and that was huge for us because we had been given lots of friendly and not so friendly advice about taking teenagers. (laughs) Um, Some some were doomsdayers and rightfully so in some ways, I think you really, really need to consider that. But I think also the fact that we gave them decision-making ability in this and Mm -hmm. to know that the Lord could work with that. You know, sometimes I think when we say, the Lord has called us as a family, he may be speaking to you, but you really need to pause and say, if he speaks to me, he can speak to my children and we can set this up in a way that it's a decision for all to make this. Hmm. And that way, once we were overseas and we were living this life and it got really hard, they felt like they had buy-in. They had made this decision. And part of the times when it was really hard to stay, Hmm. they understood that they had been part of the decision-making process. And that really helped them clarify their role and position in what this life meant. So if we had forced them, I think they would have used that in the future to say, you made us do this, but we didn't. And so that kind of buy-in really helped us when things got tough. Yeah.
0: Good word. Pam, thinking about that transition, are there some things that you, as you look back on it, maybe that you might've done differently or, you know, yeah, once you, maybe once you got to the field and, and that you shared the story about looking for plane tickets, um, how did you, when you were looking for plane tickets, how did you walk with that through your girls? You're there that they, were they in there on the joke about the plane tickets or just some thoughts on how maybe you would have done it differently?
1: Well, I think on the front end, when we were planning on making the transition, you know, they get a lot of accolades from people when we're attending these different services and people are saying, wow, you're heroes. And we we were trying to temper that with, you know, we're normal people trying to do what the Lord is leading us to do. But on that side of it, I think I would have been a little more conscious about people who were trying to give helpful suggestions to our children. Hmm. They would either treat them as heroes or sometimes they would pull them aside and say, how can we help you? We know you must not really want to do this. You know, people Hmm. get their heads cut off there, right? Hmm. You know, Hmm. and those were real comments Hmm. being made to our daughters. Yeah. And I think I should have been more intentional to step in and be aware. Sometimes I didn't know till after the fact. Yeah. But I think I should have also been willing to step in sometimes and correct some of the things that were happening as opposed to always smiling and saying, well, we'll talk about it in the car. I think sometimes I should have stepped up and said some things um, for the defense of my children or for the defense of what we were doing in a kind, gentle way to do it. But once we were overseas and um, we were all dealing with culture adjustment in our own ways, mine was looking at plane tickets and Part of our family dynamic is that we don't speak between the lines. We speak very openly with each other. And so um, they understood what was happening. They knew that I was struggling. Sometimes their father was struggling. Sometimes they were struggling. But that made it feel like they had permission to discuss it Hmm. um, and to be open about their struggles. Not to say we always did it perfectly because we didn't. I think I should have asked more questions at the beginning each day to do a better version of checking in with them hmm. and to let them just talk and not to try to fix everything that they're saying, but to just listen. Yeah. I, I would have done that more. I think. Good,
0: good word. Good word. Um, thinking about mothers uh, moving overseas with, with daughters and raising, it maybe be any raising any type of children, boys or girls overseas. Um, but specifically thinking about daughters because you moved overseas with with daughters. What are some of the specific challenges maybe that you run into? Um, We talked about going from Midwest to where you ended up. What are some of the challenges that that mothers might run into and and how any wisdom and advice on that?
1: Some of the initial challenges were the culture that we were in was a highly restrictive Muslim culture. Hmm. So that immediately meant that their clothes that they wore had to be different. Yeah, um, They had to dress differently because they were considered marrying age in that culture where hmm. we were at, at 14 and 16. Wow. And we got lots of camel offers.
2: <laughs> uh, <it's,
1: laughs> you know, one man's like, I'll give you 1 million camels for her. And John's like, show me the camels. Like I don't see a million camels. So that was a real, that was a real issue that we faced because now all of a sudden they got a lot of attention. They, you know, they wore a headscarf to show modesty because there were assumptions made in that culture if they didn't. So talking about clothes and they were, they were willing to do that. We had already, talked about that prior to our leaving and what that meant culturally, but that affects a teenager's view of how they see themselves. Hmm. They went from um, Midwest, you know, just starting to learn about life, starting to learn about guy girl relationships. And then they go into a Muslim culture where all of a sudden people are like, will you marry me? And my one Hmm. daughter's like, do you even know my name? Like, you don't Hmm. even know my name and you're willing to marry me. So it was strange conversations that we had about how to adjust to that. And then um, just being conscious of what their role looks like when they are among people who are very affluent and Hmm. sometimes Hmm. very poor Hmm. and the effect that that would have on them. And so being willing to talk about that and adjust to that and what that means in their life, as they're trying to make sense of their world as a teenage mind and yeah. Being willing to have conversations and having good resources, books for them to read that helps them process that yeah, is important.
0: For sure. And Pam, how did you walk? I, I can imagine I'm, I'm not a female, but I can imagine with uh, my daughter and somebody's proposing to her and all of those type of things. But you're also there to share the gospel. How do you walk in that and how did you help your your daughters navigate that for them not maybe not to come Irritated about it or defensive about it, or maybe defensive is the right emotion. I don't know. But how some of those sensitive things, how did you walk with them through those?
1: We had to set up some parameters for them and for myself, just culturally, because if you give any attention to the opposite sex in that particular culture, it was considered flirtation. It was considered a come on. So you would have to say, if you talk with someone, it needs to be of your own gender. You need to stay Mm. in, um, groups of your own gender, even down to the count of how many guys and girls were in a group. There always had to be more girls than guys. Otherwise it took Mm. on a different perception and to keep your sense of humor. If you don't maintain your sense of humor through this and aren't able to laugh about it. At In some ways you will, you can become very angry about it yeah. because as a parent seeing, you know, men that are 50 and 60 years old, yeah. making yeah. some move toward your daughter at yeah. 50, you know, 14 and 16 is sure. enraging. Yeah. But you have to say, um, one of the best pieces of advice we ever got was from, you know, Greg Beggs. And he said, dead people stink. Hmm. And that was, it seems very simple, but when we were in those contexts and people would do things that would stink, we're like, we can't expect something beyond that. Hmm. You know, they are acting out of the playbook of their father. Hmm. And so we need to consider that. And so we really tried to help our daughters understand that yes, have Defense, be, be able to defend yourself, be able to be smart, all the things that you need to do as a woman to think about when you take walks and when you consider that. And that's, that's really tough to have those discussions with your daughters, but they were necessary. Yeah. But then also to keep a spiritual mindset somehow through that, that, um, that they're operating out of, a, out of a heart that's completely different than, than what we understand. Yeah, yeah. And that balance is tough. That balance is tough because some, I know some mothers are probably out there thinking, well, I need to teach my daughter to defend herself and to be aware. And that's completely true. Yeah. But if you take on that persona all the time of defense, then you also build up walls that affects other areas of your life. And you have to be very careful about that because you can become jaded quite quickly.
2: Hmm.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. So your daughters, and they've transitioned back to the United States. And um, honestly, I'm maybe asking this question because it's um, personal for me. I'm not a mother and this is Mother's Day, but I'm thinking about Isabel's transition back to the United States. So your girls transition back to the United States. Any lessons learned or wisdom you would offer on being a mother um, as you transition your, your daughters back to the U.S.?
1: Yeah, it's it's been a little bit since we've done that, but it's still very fresh in my memory about the feelings I felt and um, what that looks like for for me as a mother, for my husband and and for our daughters as they're transitioning. In some ways, they were very excited to make this transition. In other ways, it was a sense of mourning, leaving what they knew. So again, being able to, talk with them ahead of time. What are you feeling? What are you facing? What, what are some concerns that you have? Um, What are some real fears that you have and to be able to talk about those because there are some things you can mitigate ahead of time. You can have people in place overseas in the, in back in the States where they're in the city and they could check in on your kids. They could um, provide some support for them in some ways. And then just, allow them to know that some of the angst that they feel is typical to college age Hmm. and not because they're a TCK. Hmm. You know, many times as teenagers and as, as kids are developing, you know, some of the things I tell parents of young children is your child's acting like this because they're four, not because they're a TCK. They're acting like this because they're junior high and their brain's not working as we you know, often would like it to because they're in junior high, not because they're a TCK. So sometimes I think as parents, we are so careful to filter that through. This is what we did. This is because they're a TCK. So everything is filtered through that. We have to be very careful not to set them up to blame things for being a TCK for everything that they experience. Some adjustments (laughs) are due to cultural adjustment. And there are real things that they have to face, but some of them it's just because at 18 and 19, there's a lot of things they have to process. It wouldn't matter if they were going from Minnesota to Florida or overseas back to Florida. There are some things that that 18, 19 year old mind has to process and learn on their own. But then there are some real TCK issues that they have to consider about lack of depth of conversation with their friends. That's a real Hmm. issue that I've heard from both daughters saying, how many YouTube cat videos can we watch before somebody actually (laughs) will have a real conversation with me? It's like, do you know what's happening in Haiti? Do you understand what's going on? And you, I mean, there are all these world issues and people, some of their age group is just not dialed in on that. Yeah. So they have to be willing to think about that and, and to talk about that. And the transition as a parent, you have to shift from a directive parental role to more of a coaching coming alongside them. Because if you still tried to be parental and directive, once they start making that transition, um, they may a- either completely submit to you and be unable to make decisions on their own as adults, or they will rebel and they'll try to get away from that direction and completely go the other way. So there's this dance and nuance that you have to do where sometimes they want you to fix everything, but not everything should be fixed by you. You have to give them room to make mistakes. You have to give them room. To learn how to do things and to coach them along the way, but then let them do those things. Yeah. And be okay with sometimes it not turning out like you would have done if you, because you have so much more experience than they do. For sure.
0: For sure. For sure. So you're in, in the new season of life. You have, you're having these adult, you now have adult children. You mentioned um, with being grandparent. Um, yeah. What are you learning about being those type, this season of life from a distance?
1: You have to remain vigilant about how you stay connected to your family. Hmm. You have to purpose The more the more the older they get, the more complex it gets Hmm. when they're first transitioning to college. It's them. And you think about how am I going to get them back for Christmas? How am I going to get them back for the summer? Or how are we going to meet up as a family once they start dating or maybe get married? Now you have two people whose lives now have jobs and real obligations and they have certain amount of vacation. Can they even afford to come to you or do you need to go to them? Yeah. Then if you have more than one child, that continues to be more complex. And then once they have grandchildren, you know, that you have grandchildren, now you have to say, how am I going to build a relationship with that grandchild? And so buying into the idea of only one way of being a grandparent or one way of being a parent in the season is you have to consider creative ways of like, for me, we have, uh, COVID really provided an opportunity for us that had been unusual because we were all at home. Hmm. So our daughter suggested, why don't we do a family chat once a week? And now that's stuck yeah. for two years now, every week they want to have a family chat. And that's, that was something they suggested, not us. So yeah. that's great. But then Mondays we send memes to each other. Okay. We just find something funny to connect. Monday means that's it's just a thing that our family culture, has, but that's a way for us to have a connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Saturday Sentinel is something I send out. I just write about our week and what we've done and I ship it to them in an email and they may never read it, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> they do. And that way they're kind of getting insight into our life and feel like they're still on it. We don't yeah. expect them to do that in return, right? but you have to find creative ways of staying connected.
0: Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, my wife likes your memes, um, and so <laughs> she she um, she shares them with me. And there, there's many laughs many times of laughter in the Santa Meyer household. So thank you. um, Thank you for those.
1: For me ministry. I feel like um, that's a bit of a therapeutic means for my response to COVID. And I was like, (laughs) well, you know.
0: And that's that's that sense of humor coming out for sure. For sure. (laughs) One last question. Um, Any words of encouragement maybe from to a daughter that's away from her mother on Mother's Day or maybe a mother that's away from her daughter on this
1: Mother's Day? My heart really goes out to, um, the mothers and the daughters. Um, I was just able to spend some time in person with one of my daughters and that's not always something, um, that we get to do, especially when days like this come around. And I say, I do fine on most days, except holidays seem to be more difficult because we already have an idea of what that holiday is supposed to look like. Hmm. And we're told this is, you know, all the family gathers and this is what we do. And when we're not able to do those things, that's when we feel some of the most pain of this life. And um, I would just say that you can still do meaningful things with Hmm. your daughter with your uh, family, you can still have lunch together. You know, my daughters and I, we do lunch dates. She'll have lunch. It'll be evening for me, um, but we'll still sit there and have food with us and we'll still be talking like it's any other week. We'll still try to send each other something. If somebody's going to the US, I'll send cards with them. Um, but just try and maintain the ability to have good conversations, Hmm. whether it's sometimes children prefer writing over talking and be okay with that. Sometimes they prefer talking. So whatever their mode, current mode of communication is their preference, be okay with that and be willing to go there with them about that, but that the Lord sees the the joys and he sees the pains and he, um, he can certainly sustain. That doesn't mean that I don't cry on some of those days, and yeah. that my daughters don't have those moments too, where we just deeply miss each other. But um, we also acknowledge that the the Lord is with us and he helps us. And um, that this life is a vapor yeah. and that may seem like a, a pat answer, but really we'll get to spend so much of heaven um, together okay. that this time right now, um, we're at a place in our lives where we're like, okay, we can, we can do this life at this time, understanding that our future is bright and that we'll have time. So.
0: I appreciate it very much, Pam. Very much. Will you pray for us? Will you pray whatever direction you, you feel led, but, um, that God will use this, um, our time together today to encourage mothers around the world.
2: Sure.
1: Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had together. And I just pray for every mom right now who is living this life, who is feeling the excitement and the angst and the fear and all of the emotions that come with trying to help their children navigate through the different challenges that they have, through the different culture situations, through all the things that um, when we're back in the States, it seems like we have a clearer path, but when we get overseas and we're in these different cultures, we just, we aren't quite sure what those paths look like. So Lord, we depend on your Holy spirit every day. We depend on hearing from you. We pray that you would just give each mom insight into their child's heart, that they would be able to shepherd them well, that they would listen, that they would ask good questions, um, that Lord, Pain is sometimes part of the way you teach us, and that includes pain that our children experience. And so we can't get rid of all the pain that our children will face and and, um, experience, but we can help them navigate that pain. And so I pray that you would give each parent wisdom, that you would give them understanding and fortitude, that How we say our words would help shape the theology for our children, that we would speak words of life and we would also speak words of reality in ways that would help them understand this life and how the Lord is shaping them in this time. And so be with the children as well for the daughters who may be abroad and are in college and experiencing this life the first time I pray that you would help them to find deep relationships, that they would find people who would support them and mentor them and um, ask them the good questions. And that Lord, you would um, just help the family as they go through this season, that they would know that you are with them for the fathers to have just sensitivity toward their children that they would uh, lead well, that the mothers would lead well, that they would pray for their children, but that they would also understand that you're going before them. And we put everything in your hands, Lord, that we're not responsible um, for every piece of the outcome, but that Lord, we rely on you because we are frail and we are flawed. And Lord, there's so many times where I felt like I am scarring my children. I am, I don't know what to do. They're going to, um, not recover from this. But Lord, I know that uh, under grace and under your obedience, we can place it in your hands and you can make all things beautiful. So I commit that to you today, Jesus, and ask a special blessing on each one.